knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hello, hello, backpacking and blisters family. This is Derek Somerville, and with me today is the only outdoorsman, or man for that matter, that I've ever known. Who has used who has used a porcupine as both a hairbrush and a loofah in the shower? <laughs> Carl Mandrioli. <laughs> What's up, buddy? I didn't use the quills as floss again or a toothpick. You probably did that too. I mean, you do okay. it all. Clarify. <laughs> I've got an introduction for you, my friend, and this one is not a joke. This is like legit true about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. With me today is Derek Somerville, a man who used to speak with an Australian accent simply to sound cool. That's true. That is true. I yeah. I would substitute teach as an Australian. And right. Yeah, that was fun. Mm. Well, uh, we're going to have an Australian on our podcast today, so that's the connection there. We are. I should have had him listen to your version. I was actually I was actually surprised you didn't mention that, which I'm, yeah. I'm kind of glad you didn't. I, but I was I was pretty engaged with what he was saying, so I think that that kind of yeah. Lucky, lucky for me, yeah. Lucky yeah. for me, lucky for you. I will say the side note on that though is that when I was living in Australia, there was a guy there that we like we would do church setup together, and he would always ask me to do an Australian accent because he thought it was the funniest thing because I was not good at it. <laughs> so he just he would make fun of me. <laughs> Why don't you do it right now? You want to show us your uh... good eye, mate? Oh wow! How you going? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's painful. Let's let's just get to tidbits. Okay, I like it. I've got I've got a few. Okay. So we had the trail generator out there, and we're gonna do an episode with the results coming out next week. So one week from today. Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Sir. Are you are you ready for that? The trail name generator. Yeah. Uh, I'm just about there. I got a little bit of work okay. left, but I'm just about there for the folks. So. Derek is kind of the engineer behind the trail name generator, so he, a lot of the responsibilities on him. So that's why I was asking. Just call me the generator. I mean, that's, okay. that could be my name. It's fine. Right, that could be your trail name. <laughs> um, and then, so we put that out there to the to the to the listeners on Facebook, and then we're going to put something else out there as well mm-hmm. for another future episode that we want to get in before the end of the season. And this one is we would like you to nominate the most ridiculous backpacker of all time that you either know or that you've heard of. And the way that you nominate, you can simply, you can do it any which way as far as email, through Facebook, but we're looking for like two to three things that they've done that's straight up absurd, whether it's bringing something, doing something in the backcountry, just complete nonsense awesomeness. Mm. Is that a good way of saying it? it could, yeah, it could be from bringing, you know, I don't know, let's say a, a bread maker in your backpack to doing something totally absurd or ridiculous on the trip. The bread maker's not going to be enough to win. I'll just put it that way. It but won't be, but it, no, that type of weirdness. There are a group of people that are immune to this award, and that would be newbies, because newbies are obviously going to make mistakes. So I'm going to say the first and second trip, you know, like I, we can't reference Derek with his fanny pack. Like he's immune to that because that's. His, that's epic. Yeah, it though. is epic, but it's a learning experience. If you want to nominate yourself with a fanny pack, you're more than welcome to. But I think I might do a fanny pack this year. Okay, maybe something to look think forward to. It. So I'm going to put this out there on our own Facebook page. I'm going to put this out there. I think on some other just kind of general Facebook pages, just looking for two to three things that somebody's done or that they've brought that might qualify them, and then we're going to have everybody vote when we have our finalists. 
And of course, we're going to have a couple of our group members among the finalists because we're biased. <laughs> and uh, okay, and last one is I got a message from a listener named Ben, and he had a question about the proper way to wash his dinnerware, like pots and pans, fork, spoon, spork, whatever it is. Yeah. So, Derek, what would, how would you respond to that? About how to wash it? Yeah, so like out saying? in the backcountry. What do you mean respond to it? I mean, uh, like he's, I think it's he's asking a question. You got to give a response. How to wash it. Okay. Well, I mean, what do I do with my spork and thing? I think once I eat it, eat, eat it. Once I finish, <laughs> <laughs> once I finish eating with it, um, I tend to lick it as best I can clean. And then I, I don't, you know, I think I just am kind of that dirty guy that just like puts it back in a Ziploc bag <laughs> and then just waits for the next meal. So uh, you are not alone. You know, if, if he's got, you know, people have different, you know, I don't know if he's going to bring the soap and I don't know. I mean, right. that's what I do. It seems to work. I've never gotten sick. That's me, though. Okay. So Well, and he and he was referencing not just the eating utensil, but also because not everybody's using just freeze-dried food. They might be cooking some oatmeal or their own, you know, stuff that they brought to, to mix into right. a pot. And so they've got just a crusty old pot now after the meal, right? Well, that's true, too, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what I did. I think a couple of years I brought that like uh, biodegradable dish soap stuff, and then I would like use it, rinse it, and then okay, be on my way. I would dry it with like some kind of old shirt that I wasn't using, and then that would You're, suffice. Wait, an old shirt? You're not going to bring a random old shirt? Is this going to be a shirt that you had already worn on the trail? Is this like body odor shirt? It, no, not a body odor shirt. I would bring like either a small. I'd either bring like a. A spare shirt or like a small rag or something just to like okay. wipe everything down but i mean it was kind of excessive that was early in the years early yeah. in the backpacking years where i'm like and then now i'm like i don't really need to bring all that extra stuff but right. um, well i'll tell you ben and whoever else is interested in this per the leave no trace guidelines you are actually supposed to scrape out as much of the food from whatever it is you're eating out of into your trash they don't want the crumbs out there and if you do end up washing your bowl or Correct. your cooking pot, you can't wash it in the stream. You can bring the water from the stream and then kind of scrub it down with whatever you brought and, you know, put some of that biodegradable soap in. And then I think w- there's still going to be some lingering like food bits and you're supposed to spread it just by kind of almost like spraying it out into the bushes mm-hmm. and you want to keep that away from your campsite. I think that's that's one of the more ideal ways. Maybe I'm not as updated as I should yeah. be on that one. But I think what Derek's saying is, is strangely accurate and it's not just for the utensil. I think a lot of people... We'll scrape out their stuff, and then I think a lot will just leave the yep. crusty stuff there for the next meal. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can if you can chisel it out. No, I think you're right. Like if you can chisel it out and eat it, great. If not, then you're not getting it all out, though. I think is is the issue. So well, how long, people how that long are, are super people... clean are not going to do that. They're yeah. going to probably abide by the leave no trace or just violate those guidelines. Mm. And people that are embracing the grossness of the outdoors are going to kind of do what Derek does. That's true. True backpack. And what I do. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm going to do that too. So That's right. I'm with you now. As you, as you okay. should. Yeah. Right. But that, good question though. That was a good question. We'll probably address something along those lines. We'll leave no trace stuff later. Mm. So mm. probably more next season. That's All right. Anyway, verse verses for the episode, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And... Yeah, I think this is obviously referring to people that are believers, but I think we can relate this to the trail because this episode is going to discuss honoring our bodies both in terms of fitness and there's even going to be a little reference to nutrition or lack thereof there. And Derek, in this episode, you actually challenged me on my lack of nutrition for the second time this season. I did. Your lack of nutrition uh, came into play yet again. Okay. And uh, I I need to respond later. (laughs) <laughs> respond <laughs> what do you want me to respond to like no i need to respond oh yeah you need to respond i don't need to respond yeah yeah no no you've you've thrown it out there you've, you've been the accuser <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i'm just speaking truth into the wind you know, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> all right so we thought neither derek and i like we have our own ways of preparing physically for backpacking trips and i know some of you have your own ways as well and some of you don't prepare at all you use the backpacking trip as your own preparation yes but we thought it'd be Good to bring on an expert to kind of give us some key pieces of information 
about what it takes to really prepare ourselves to go out into the wilderness. Yes. Yes. So we have a gentleman named Rowan Smith all the way from Australia on our episode. And we we asked him the tough questions and he rose to the challenge. So Rowan, all the way from Australia. Let's start with the most obvious simple question. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, assuming I know nothing about you. Uh, give me the lowdown. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks. But basically, yeah. Um, yeah. My name's Rowan. I'm from Sydney, Australia. Um, I'm a personal trainer that specializes in working with hikers, trekkers, and mountaineers. Mm. So, um, basically, mm. I've been working, I've been a trainer for years and years and years now, and I was back, you know, doing the old weight loss, um, put muscle on, lose weight game for many, many years. Right. Um, a few years ago, I sort of fell into working with hikers, trekkers, and mountaineers at a gym I started working at when mm. I came back from um, a few years of traveling. And mm. I sort of realized like quite quickly that it was something I really, really enjoyed and it really lined up with sort of the values and the, the things that I really enjoyed in my life. Like yeah. since I was a pretty young, you know, I've always been into sort of adventure in one way or another. So, you know, running around as a scouts, you know, when I was a little youngster charging around the bushlands, <laughs> oh, yeah. as I'm sure many of the listeners have done right. that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, a bit older, I was sort of into this ocean sports a bit more and all my nice. hiking and that revolved around trying to find waves around Australia, which, you know, was more unsuccessful than successful, but, you know, it's all, all the funs in the journey. <laughs> right, right, right. And then when I was a bit older, sort of just right. doing the, you know, traveling and backpacking around country to country. Um, but then, yeah, coming in and started working with trekkers and mountaineers and hikers, it was just a really, really great experience. It was really eye-opening to see that there were so many of these guys going off on these absolutely amazing adventures So things like Kilimanjaro, Everest Base Camp, Mount Elbrus, like yeah. all these like huge adventures. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were super pumped up right. about it and they were getting so much like quality of life from training for these things and so much excitement for getting ready. But then there wasn't a huge amount of support uh, out there for them and like, you know, going on the internet for looking at these types of things, you, these guys might be plugging in, how do I train for Kilimanjaro? And a thousand articles will pop up and there's not really that much quality information. A lot of it was sort of written by the hikers themselves and not so much the trekkers. Uh, I'm not so much trainers themselves. So a lot of the information is a bit hit and miss. Yeah, and Derek, he mentioned the whole idea of, you know, know, lose lose the fat and gain the muscle kind of thing. That's something that actually could help you a little bit, right? (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't it help us all, Carl? Couldn't it help us all? Yeah, you know... (laughs) I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with Ron. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be vulnerable here, Ron. Um, no, I actually started. Uh, you know, we're getting up there in the ages, and uh, so I started working out a little bit at home, like you know, pumping some iron at home and mm, you know, I nice. doing some. Uh, I didn't tell you that. So every yeah. every night when the kids go to bed, I'll either work on you know some part of the body, you know. Okay. I got a little workout bench and some weights, but um, I'm, it's like I'm excited to do it for the first time in my whole life. I used to hate going to the gym, but uh, maybe it's like you look at yourself in the mirror long enough and you're like, mm, it's time. It's time for it's some time, change. Yeah. Well, we got a so, question kind of along those lines later, Derek, so let's save that one. We won't. Yeah, but we got to go with our signature question, and that is in getting to know you a little bit, it sounds like you're pretty experienced you know, going outdoors. You mm. mentioned the bushlands and just kind of getting out there, and you've had a lot of different experiences. So... What's been the craziest or most unusual or unexpected wilderness experience that you've had so far? Um, probably the one that always springs first to mind when I think about these things was uh, back when I was 18, I was um, spent a few months traveling around Brazil when I first got out of school. And um, when I was um, nice. yeah, I was doing a hike over there um, in this beautiful national park. And um, I'll, I'll just preface this with like saying, there's a snake story and basically in Australia, <laughs> here know, we go. Here we snakes go. are pretty like a pretty big deal. And, you know, they're pretty common when you're hiking and bushwalking and everyone knows they're there and you're sort of taught as a mm. kid, like, you know, what you need to do to avoid them or treat them and stuff like that. And it's really mm-hmm. sort of, you know, just take them seriously and don't really annoy them and piss them off in all honesty. Um, that's the number <laughs> one rule. But, um, but anyway, we're on this hike and we're cruising along. I think we're on the second day. And all of a sudden, this guide in front of me just stops and like pushes me back. And I'm like, oh, what's going on, man? And I um, sort of look around <laughs> him and there's this big old snake just like doing the classic like rear up like a cobra and just hissing at us on the trail. And wow. I was like, oh, man, like, you know, as much as I see a lot of snakes, like, you know, the whole the classic thing out of the movies, I, don't, I haven't really seen that before. Yeah. So I was like, right. all right, that's pretty cool. Like, um, but, you know, maybe we'll just go around him and keep on our way. 
And the guide was like, nah, I'm not having any of that. Like, I can't be bothered going around. <laughs> so This just, is our trail. Yeah. He was that classic <laughs> local guy who just like, it was his oh, small boy. town. He was like, this is my home. Like, you don't mess oh, with me. So he, um, he just digs <laughs> in the bush and gets this like fork stick. And then he just like lunges at this snake and pins Ooh. it down by the neck. And me nice. and this other girl are both Aussies are like, what are you doing? Like, this is mental. Wow. So, but wow. then, yeah, we just walked past and he just jumped away and we carried on with our walk. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, right. that's probably every day for him, but it was so opposite to what we do over here. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that was um. That He's was like, whatever, let's just keep going. And then. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's insane. Awesome. I think Carl, Carl can relate a lot with that. So, you know. With, with, with being you scared? Know, the grabbing, well, well, that, yes. But, like, you know. You probably shouldn't poke things with sticks, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> probably true, actually. Yeah. Well, and it's it's ironic too because I think Australia is known for having what is it like three or four of the five most deadly snakes in the yeah, world, and it, you yeah. know you didn't feel threatened until you went away from Australia. So yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, it's right. Weird turn of events but, there. So let me jump into the fitness a little bit. Let's let's dive into that little realm. And so okay, so since you're a fitness expert, I want you to give us give us like a tip or two as to what some people are doing wrong what they're not doing enough of or maybe what they're just ignoring as it relates to trail fitness yeah you know, like absolutely um probably what i think the number one thing i always say to anyone i first meet is uh injury prevention when it comes to trail fitness mm. like mm. i would say so many people when it comes to hiking and trekking and stuff like that they're carrying these little niggles or these little injuries that just creep up so it might be things right. like you know plantar fasciitis or shin splints or knee pain or lower back pain and, okay. and people just like they're not these major things but people so many people have them and so many people just tend to push through them and just think they'll ignore it and it'll get better by itself but um, right. nine times out of 10, that stuff never gets better. And it just sucks a lot of the enjoyment out of these type of adventures. Mm-hmm. That like from my perspective as see a that. trainer, like a little bit of work on these areas when you're doing particular strength or stability stuff can go an absolute long way to absolutely any injury. And that's probably the number one thing I see, particularly in the mm-hmm. hiking world, is just not enough of it. There's a lot of aversion like to doing this type of strength stuff. It's so, yeah. so beneficial. And um, I think that's the number one thing I see missed time time again i like that i like that yeah i think that i think we can all relate with that i mean there's always something maybe you know, like you were carl and i were talking about in previous episodes where you know you don't necessarily always feel a hundred percent when you're out on the trail at any given time and there's maybe something small nagging you that we kind of just ignore or take for granted right and it can blossom into something worse if you don't address it right, right? so that's good to know that I, I like that it's good yeah so that's are good. you yeah so kind of piggybacking what you're saying so are you finding that most hikers are using their trips you know their wilderness trips hiking backpacking whatever to get in shape rather than training and doing some of those exercises you mentioned to be in shape for their trips yeah i think definitely using hiking to get in shape so for the people i work with in particular like um these are guys who sort of they haven't done that much physical activity for a while and they're sort of seeing the years mm. get a bit on and they're seeing, you know, as you said in the mirror, you're like, oh, you know, I'm getting that belly like and you sort of got these plans that they've always wanted to do, like, you know, these bucket list goals mm. and they're like, oh, there might not be that much time left to do it. So um, then they book themselves mm. onto these massive adventures and then that's like the reason to get fit. So they'll right. sort of say, hey, I've got this big hike coming up. I've got to do some training and that'll usually start with just hiking but then, you know, if mm. you haven't done something for a while, you probably pretty, pretty quickly realize that the hiking is not really enough. And so they'll start a, a looking at other avenues to get themselves in shape for that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I think that that's probably true for a lot of people that we encounter as well. Did you feel like that when, Carl, when you were doing your, you know, adventure races? Like, I am excited about this adventure race. So now I got to get in shape for the race. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's that inspired me to do activities prior to the event but i think a lot of people are just Mm. using the event itself to you know like as as like i'm gonna i'll lose weight on the trail for example like once i get out there like i'll be burning calories all day long and so versus i think what rowan's saying is it's better you're Mm. better off in regard to injury prevention to do some stuff ahead of time okay so this is where we we kind of make derek a little vulnerable here this is where carl uplifts himself i'm ready (laughs) i'm ready (laughs) I'm not talking about me at all. I'm talking just about Derek. So we thought since you're an expert in this area, uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to give a rundown of just what Derek does physically (laughs) 
and and then just have you evaluate you know where he is and you know do you feel like he could add to his repertoire to be prepared for the trail or do you feel like he's kind of on target with a successful you know summer wow. time basically for us wow so okay yeah i love <laughs> so it i guess i just learned that you do some weights so maybe you do a few curls here and there and Maybe some hmm. bench press. A few. A few. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, let's just address that. We are obviously looking at your incomplete, incomplete list here because I just added some more things. But no, it's more than a few cur- curls. Carl. Okay, I'm, uh, I'm. You know, I'm just poking fun. Yeah, for sure. So you're doing some weights. Uh, and we yeah. don't know. We don't. We don't know what that is yet. So I guess we'll have to find out a little bit more about that. But we. I also know that you mm-hmm. you play basketball like once a week ish, and I do. You surf. I do. I know that, like in terms of, um, it sounds like you've been adding this year, but in in terms of past years, your fitness on the trail, you kind of struggle with the altitude. You struggle with, um, you know, some of the uphill stuff, or or just kind of walking in general. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes me sound like I'm like 75 or something. <laughs> you struggle to breathe, yeah. and you struggle to live. And <laughs> okay, well, knowing that you've had those issues in the past, you've mixed in some weights. Um, okay, Derek, why don't you share? What What are some of the key exercises that you do that you think would help with hiking? What did I miss? It's, I've been doing. I've been focusing a lot more on like core, um, core strengthening. Um, number one, to because I have to lift up my kids, you know, everywhere they go. So it's a lot of that's like core strengthening okay. for that. Um, so I'll do a lot of ab work, a lot of core work. Been doing a lot of chest exercises, things like that, and you know, that's obviously incorporating like you know the arms as well. Um, so that's. A majority of what I've done, I could definitely use more. Wait, wait, wait! No, 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 no! That's not. This is not your job. This is Rowan's job to tell you what you could use more of. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been focusing on. I have not focused on the lower areas, uh, if you will. So, <laughs> okay. uh, so Rowan, what do you think? What would you do with with Derek? Okay. Well, let's let's pick it apart a little bit then. So, um, and if I'm hopeless, just tell me I'm hopeless. <laughs> Never helpless. <laughs> So what what are you doing for your core exercises out of curiosity? And I'll pick this apart a little bit. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, no, this is good. Uh, so for core, I'll do... So every day I'm doing like like a seven-minute abs thing. Twi- I'm trying to do it like twice a day. But like what what are you doing though? Like like an abs thing? Like you're doing sit-ups or what? It'll do like a lot of... Some planking in there, different types of planking. Um, there'll be like different types of leg lift exercises. Um, there'll be, you know, crunches or sit up type exercises, variations of all these, obviously basically that. And then I'll add in some weights, like, you know, like when I'm doing sit ups, I'll add in, like, I'll have a, you know, kettlebell, like on my chest, like a 20 pound kettlebell or, you know, something like that or nice. That's resistance. Yeah. It's been good. It's been good. I just started probably consistently maybe a couple months ago. Well, yeah, well, I'll pick that apart a little bit. So if we're going to get in like relatively technical, like these days, like the sit ups and crunches and. Uh, leg lifts and stuff like that. They're pretty old school. Um, you know, that stuff's right. quite good for uh, what's called like your rectus abdominis, which is basically six-pack muscles. And that's sort of more or less all they're good for. Like these days, if you're looking at okay. sort of something like core stability, you're looking at more what's called anti-movement hmm. training, which is basically teaching the body to resist movement in particular areas. So classic example, that's your plank. Mm-hmm. So your plank is an absolute great exercise as long as you progress it. And that's teaching the body to do something that's called anti-extension, which is basically stopping the lower back go okay. into a hyper-extension, which a lot of pain comes out of. So that's absolutely great. But then you can throw right. in other things like yeah. a side plank, which is really, really good. Um, and that does something. Oh, I do beautiful. That. Yeah. Um, that does something that's called anti-lateral flexion, which basically stops you tipping over to the side. And for trail fitness, that's really, really important if you're carrying a heavy pack and you might like have a bit of a misstep on the trail or something and teaching the body to and so basically you're saying so the planking and the side plank is helping strengthen the core especially on the trail yeah in, in a nutshell right okay yeah that's what i thought okay yeah that's it um and then the crunches and uh, sit-ups and stuff like that they're pretty old school and yeah. you still see them recommended quite a bit but they're probably not as beneficial as most people like you still get a burn out of them but yeah you know you probably unless you're aiming for the six pack they're probably you know, you can get rid of them and save a bit of time. Okay. But then moving on for the rest of your weight stuff. So, you know, obviously chest and arms, it's always going to be great for uh, looking good. And then once you, if you are leading into <laughs> <laughs> leading into training, on a tra- training for a trek or trail fitness, obviously you want to be le- including a little bit of lower limb stuff here. But um, a really <laughs> yeah, good yeah. way to, to go about it is without having any technical knowledge, you can sort of 
balance out one sort of pushing exercise, which is called. So it's basically any lower limb movement where you're pushing. So it might be a squat or a lunge or a step up and you're literally pushing into the ground Mm. and balance that with anything, Mm -hmm. which is called a pulling exercise. So it literally works the opposite muscles, which is the back of you. So things like deadlifts or single leg deadlifts or leg curls. And like that's a really easy Mm. rule of thumb to balance out your training because nine times out of ten, I'm not sure over your side of the world, but over here, for those sort of pre-bought trekking programs might have a little bit of strength stuff but it's purely just squats lunges and step ups and as much as that's great Mm. for it's very specific for trekking and it'll hammer your quads and that it sort of misses out the muscles on the backs of legs really which is specifically your hamstrings and your glutes and they're really really important right a lot of your trekking right right right. so that's a super easy rule of thumb and even for any type of training it's just keeping that balance you know i got a challenge i got a small i got a small challenge for you okay okay so let's let's say I have my lower glute on the left side. Yep. I, I think it's the gluteus medius. I don't know. It's like the yep, the glute mid. Mid. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that one. Uh, so let's say that one's kind of the nagging, annoying, throbbing issue. What would you recommend for someone to get okay. rid of that annoyance? So. I don't know, like it could be many, many things. And I was like with everyone listening, anytime you have an injury, definitely see a physio because um, they're the only ones that are a physical therapist, I think, that call it over there. Yep, yep, yep. Because they can diagnose <laughs> it, obviously. But for, if you're looking at yeah, working yeah. the glute medius, things like, you know, mini band walks, which you're putting a band around your knees and doing little side steps and that are really, really good for strengthening mm. that up. Things yeah. like single leg deadlifts. So when you're on one leg and just literally sort of tipping over and bending over really good for strengthening mm-hmm. up that or even lunges where you hold arm a dumbbell in the same leg that's forward can be really really uh, beneficial for strengthening that up that could help and it might be something else you might have a like you know a little bit of a knot there or something else going on but if it's a if it's a purely weakness from that muscle those three moves tend to do the job pretty well okay cool that's awesome thanks man and that stuff goes really specifically into people with knee pain for hiking so that's probably one of the biggest uh, weakest muscles which affect your knees when you're actually hiking so anyone who has issues with their knees doing those three moves can really really be um help them out for the altitude and the uphill stuff probably one of the biggest things you'd want to add in is trying to do one long session of something a week that would be it doesn't have to be hiking if you don't have time to be going hiking but it could be literally walking or sitting on a bike or something that's over mm. sort of 60 minutes but really quite low intensity and um, okay. that sort of longer duration stuff is really, really beneficial when you're, one, going up to altitude and um, it can help you just True. with your acclimatization process a bit. And also right. when you're going up hills, might be a bit counterintuitive doing low intensity stuff for uphill walking, but it can be really, really handy. So let's say, let's say there's people, you know, like, I guess like myself, I guess, um, that like to do their own thing. Some people want trainers that yell in their face and get them pumped up. Um, but your setup's a bit different. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you are different and how effective you think it is to have a remote coach trainer and what that is maybe a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so yes, sort of the online personal training and the remote personal training is coming, you know, quite a bit more popular these days. Previously, before all this started happening, if you wanted to go out and get fit with a bit of professional help, you had two options you could do. So you could either go to sort of a personal trainer in, in person and train with them and you could get some, you know, and you could and can get some pretty quality results um, for whatever you might be aiming for. Um, but it always has a few drawbacks, obviously. So right. number one, it's pretty expensive. You know, you can get the really cheap stuff, but you're sort of paying for quality there. It's hard to find specialists if you were aiming for anything in particular. Like there's thousands of trainers out there doing the old, the standard things. But if you were training for something in particular, it was relatively hard to find someone in your local area. And then obviously you always have to fit people in your schedule. So some people leave crazy, lead crazy lives and might work shift or whatever. And it's just hard to line those schedules up. Um, on the other side, there was the things like you could right. buy those pre-made programs, which people do, which we call cookie cutter programs in the industry. And, you know, they're cheap. They allow, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they allow sort of not right. really any flexibility for people with busy lives who might have an injury. So if you do have a perfect life and you can fit everything in, they usually work. But then most people tend to fall off the wagon because there's no one really giving them accountability and you might buy this thing for $30, $40 right. and then right. do a week and then never do it again. So it had a you know a bit of a drawback there. True. But then the online training these days, that's sort of been made to like fill that gap. So 
you know, by having a remote trainer, you can still get that like direction like of exactly what you need to be doing. So all your exercises, all your eating or whatever you might be aiming for, you can still get that accountability of having someone that's mm. making like looking over your results so you're actually going out and training. Um, and also obviously allows a lot more flexibility so you don't have to be working around a trainer's schedule so you can literally work, work out at home, work in a gym, whatever works out for you. And then also obviously you're getting regular contact with your coach which, you know, it's not ideal like it doesn't always happen right. but quite often within personal personal training you'll train for your hour with the trainer and they'll say see you later next week and then you know you might save all your questions till then so the online right. personal training sort of helps a bit more with that and then obviously it's like quite a bit cheaper because you're not paying for gym overhead costs yeah. or anything yeah and so you're ba- and, and i think like you were saying like one of the biggest factors is accountability right like if people have that accountability yeah. they're more likely to continue and follow through do you ever come across anybody? Because I know you, you're more like, here's your stuff that you need to do. Right. I'm going to check in on you, and I'm going to keep bugging you to make sure you're doing what you're doing. Do you ever get anybody that's <laughs> like, I want you to watch me do this, or I won't do it? Like, I need you live watching me because I'm that yeah. much of a sloth that I'm not going to do it. Like, Carl, Carl <laughs> yeah, so I definitely- just before you get into that, because there's a guy I know. He's a pretty big guy. He, he, he uh, organizes a lot of the backpacking trips I go on. He loves to eat cinnamon bears and like stuff like that, like really gummy, cruddy <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're going to work out, like you need somebody that's going to watch you. Mm. So I don't know. What would you recommend for this guy? Would you watch this guy? His name's Carl <laughs> Corelli. Is his name? Yeah. Like probably for what I'm, what I recommend for him is sort of having some type of self accountability through the week. So it might be something like a little checklist that he would like check off every time he does something good mm. or a little um, reminder system through each day saying, Hey, don't stay away from the, the cinnamon treats or whatever you just said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or literally just a daily check-in with the trainer where it's just like, Hey, I didn't need anything. We'll give him a thumbs up or something like that. Cause uh, I've definitely come across a lot of people like that who need the, the constant monitoring over things mm, and mm, you know there, there are services out there in the world where there's i was looking at a job the other day where a trainer will literally follow you around 24 <laughs> hours a day to make sure you don't put things in your mouth what's uh, his number people what's who don't name? yeah I can see that. <laughs> but, but for people who don't have those thousands of dollars to spend it's sort of until you find that own uh, self-motivation those right. little habits are the things that sort of the best way of going about that and then eventually it click, clicks into place as long as you stick with it. That's uh, I like that. That's good. Well, wait, wait, before before you jump in, I got I got another follow up question. Okay. Well, not about this. Not about the food. It's more about the kind of the logistics of it. So, we like I referenced the kettlebell swing earlier because that's actually been a game changer for me when I do when I start training for longer distance trail running events. That that's strengthened my hips enough where I have fewer injuries after some of the ultra marathons that I run, and so but I didn't have a trainer to train me. And so I was literally watching YouTube videos and just reading about like proper form and it worked out because I was able to do it. But if you were to suggest particular exercises, how do you like how remotely or how can you remotely make sure that the person is, you know, doing using proper form? Yeah, absolutely. So that usually goes in a three-step process with that. So the way that all the exercises delivered through that is through a training app, which basically has uh, instructional videos for everything. So that's more or less the same as looking on YouTube. It goes yeah. one or two ways there. So if, it, if someone gets that exercise and they're happy with it, they'll just be happy to go right ahead. If they're not 100% happy with it, they're not 100% sure mm-hmm. what they're doing, yeah. I get them to send me an actual video of them doing the exercise. And then I'll sort of pick it apart and say, look, you might want to change this. You might want to change that. If that works, great. And then happy days moving forward. If that doesn't work, then we usually set up um, a live Skype session where we'll literally get the guy or the girl going through the exercise. Um, I'll critique them as I would in person and sort of do a few bits and pieces. So it's not a perfect process as compared to, you know, actually being hands-on and being able to physically move limbs around and that. But nine times out of 10, it usually works pretty well. Yeah. And then in the worst case scenario, nice. okay. if someone really can't handle something, there's always another option that does exactly the same thing. So we just choose a simpler option in all honesty. Okay. That's a, I'm glad Carl asked that question because it bleeds right into my question. Let's say, let's say Carl is that guy that's like, I, yeah, yeah, I got what you sent me, Rowan. I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. But he's just not doing it or he's not doing it the right way. But let's, let's focus on he's just not doing it. Uh, Because he's lazy, maybe. 
do you ever have to encounter, like, confront somebody and be like, look, man, uh, I know you're lying to me. I know you're not doing this <laughs> because you would see some gains after six months. And because uh, I'm sure you might get it the other way where, like, nothing's happening. Like, I'm not getting buffer. I'm not, like, improving. Like, does it go the other way where you're like, you're full of crud and you're not doing anything? I mean, do you ever encounter anything like that? Oh, 100%. Like, really? I think- Back in my in my previous existence as weight loss and put muscle on, like yeah, 50% of clients would probably do that, like 100%. Yeah. These days, seeing I'm working with the trekkers and that, seeing they actually have a particular goal they're training for and they're really quite motivated, it happens a bit less. I tend to, with all my clients, I have a weekly check-in phone call. So, we'll get on the phone for 15 minutes and seeing we have that regular talk, everyone's yeah. pretty open wow. um, with okay. the people I work with. So, I haven't had to pull anyone up yet. Because we sort of discuss, and if they are having an issue, they can't do it, then we'll sort of troubleshoot that. And I try to foster that environment as opposed to the, you know, the going behind backs and a little bit deceitful because, you know, that just doesn't work out with anyone in all honesty. (laughs) I've been there. I know it doesn't. I know it's not a great place to be. So, so yeah, these days it's all pretty good. But 100%, I've had so many people do that in the past. You've grown. That's awesome. (laughs) As we all try to do, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah, when we have people come on that are kind of experts in their industry and we just, yeah, we kind of want to pick their brains about what they know that can help everybody that's listening out there and I think you've certainly done that, but we always want to give kind of a final opportunity if there's anything that didn't come out during our interview that you'd like to share about your company called Summit Strength, then we're happy to give you that platform. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, so basically... As I've said previously, like my mission at the moment is sort of to try and really raise the standards of training for hikers and trekkers at the moment. A really, really big initiative I'm trying to do at the moment on my website and through my social media is just pump out a whole bunch of quality training and attitude information because I feel like both of those are really, really butchered all over the internet. You know, I'm pumping out my blog. I've got my Instagram going, my Facebook. I've just started a YouTube channel. Hmm. I offer a couple of free things if people want to dive a little bit deeper. So I've got um, what I call the Attitude Cheat Sheet, which is on my website, which is basically if someone's going to Attitude, it just gives out five of the most impactful strategies that I've used with my clients to help keep them safe at Attitude and actually perform quite well. Um, And you can download that for free on my website. Um, And I've also got something Hmm. which is uh, I call it my Hikers Knee Prevention Program which is, you know, 75% of people I deal with have some type of knee pain when they're going down hills when hiking. And sort of when I first started training, checks and mountaineers, I realized, look, you know, this has got to be sorted out. So I sort of came up with my own little Mm. system to deal with that, which works out quite well for my clients. Um, So I've just put that into a free little ebook um, for people so they can download it, have a look at what actually I do with my clients. And then they also get a 12-week training program with that. But that's all free. Okay, so I think that hits all the questions. And I'm good. That was really informative, man. I got, I got a lot of great stuff out of it. I appreciate it. Yeah, so thanks for coming on, Rowan. And we'll put, like I said, we'll put that information in our uh, in our podcast description. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, again, I really appreciate you having me on. It's been, um, yeah, it's been great. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. 
Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So, man, that was good, wasn't it? I, I really enjoyed that. I thought he did a great job. Very informative. Um, yeah. I learned a lot, yeah, from my own. Yeah, we're going to break it down here, but full disclosure, I did kind of ask, asking that question intentionally, trying to poke fun at you about your your fitness or lack thereof. And so those that was like a pre-planned question. And then you just gave it back to me the rest of the, the interview <laughs> with your own on-the-spot questions. <laughs> don't, you know, don't wake the bear, Carl. Don't wake the bear. Apparently not. You know, he's yeah. going to come for you. Okay, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to give our three takeaways, key pieces we took from the interview, and then and then we'll have some trivia. So, so Derek, what's what's something you took from the interview? Uh, I think the first thing I really took away from the interview was just the information about injury prevention, you know, and and okay. the work that we can do at home beforehand to kind of just prevent like little nagging injuries from growing into right. giant larger injuries, you know. He mentioned a percentage. He said like seventy five percent of people struggle with knee pain, like specifically yeah. from going downhill. That seems, that seems high to me, but I think I had the downhill knee issue definitely during my death March on the red peak pass. Uh, but I think that was, that could have been due to, you know, my backpack was way too heavy and I was not even ready for what I was doing. But, um, right. I think since then I've, I've used the trekking poles. I have not really had an issue with it at all. And that's one thing that I was going to ask, I meant to ask him about was, that, yeah, how much trekking poles help with stability. I mean, it's kind of obviously help with stability, but how much they can offset some of this stuff. And I think what your point to, you know, pack weight can cause some of this as well. So yes, getting prepared helps, but I think there's some other factors involved too. So, true. Yeah. That's true. What about you, buddy? What do you got? Um, yeah, I just really was paying attention to the exercises because I do, I, I definitely like, you know, three months leading up to the big, the bigger trips that we do, I try to really target specific exercises to, to be as strong as I can. And so I do lunges and a lot of the leg stuff that he mentioned. And I mentioned the kettlebell swings a couple of times, but I, I haven't been doing the planks and I don't, we talked about this late, like afterwards, but I'm, I'm just not into the planks as much. And I need to, I guess toughen up and just do this some of those because I think they're pretty beneficial. You do, dude. You got. Do you want me to keep you accountable? Like, what do you want maybe. me to do? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe ask me every episode how many planks have you done this week. Maybe I will. Maybe okay. I will. I've been trying to do them every day. Every day. Yeah. I failed twice this week, but pretty much every day. But you're trying. Trying. I am trying. I'm okay. Trying. So, All right. What was your next takeaway? Uh, my second one was the. He was talking about the altitude okay. cheat sheet. And uh, it's, you know, kind of basically uh, the secret steps to preventing altitude sickness. You know, I mean, I had that one that one year. He made it sound like it was like every year, but it was like one year where I had like the uh, right. altitude sickness for a day. And it was horrible. But, you know, obviously it's good to know. You know, the more knowledge, the better. So um, yeah, the more you know. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, the more you know. For sure. <laughs> you know, it's funny is when he actually said that the first time he said it, I actually thought he he said attitude cheat sheet, and I was like, oh, something for Derek. Yeah, me too. I was like, ah. but really, both are both could be for you. That's well, you know, we all need a better attitude in life. I think in general, <laughs> uh, and help with altitude. Some of us, some more than others, with the attitude. But I won't for name sure. names, Carl. One thing that I appreciate about the interview is actually something that you were willing to share and really put yourself out there, and that you were really willing to just tell everybody that you have straight up butt pain i do left side guys left side yeah, yeah. that was that was impressive well you know he's a personal trainer why not ask him you know i'm not really well versed at like yeah. exercising yeah. and and working out which i've never been into my whole life really until recently um if it's something new like that I, i'm all about it like i will freely admit i don't know a lot i want to learn about it just throw every piece of knowledge you have at me one of the exercises he referenced, I forget what he said, what the name for it was, but I know a lot of physical therapists here will call it monster walks, where it's almost, yeah, it's mm. where you basically strap a resistance band around both ankles, and then you kind of hunch down, almost like in a squatting position, and then just walk sideways. And then you walk the opposing way, so you can work out both um, hip flexors or a couple other muscles that worked out there. And I think that's actually a helpful exercise if you, yeah, if you have weak hips or... 
in your case, a weak butt. All right, so Derek, what's your last one? What's your last takeaway here? Uh, I think my just the last takeaway I got was just the info he gave me personally. It was more of a personal takeaway about yeah. um, some of the exercises I can do to help my butt pain, to yeah. you know help uh, you know the legs to strengthen the legs, you know the the lunges and things. I just really haven't given much attention to the legs, which I probably should, but. Um, Right. Yeah, it was good. I got a lot of good info. Yeah, and I think I've been actually doing a lot of research on this myself just for various training purposes, and he definitely knows what he's talking about. More than me, he was using some bigger words. I can't even repeat some of those words back. The, the like, push and like pull hamstring? was it. Yeah. Ham, hamstring, hamstring was a hard word for me. <laughs> <laughs> Leg. It was like the anti-something and, the you know, like trying to do the, I don't know, for the planks. Either way, yeah, no, I think that was some, some good stuff for you for sure. I feel like you were really impressed by just the verbiage he threw at you. you know? Yeah, I tried to take notes, like almost like it was a college class, and I just got lost pretty fast. So I, I had no problem following along, so uh, I got all my notes right. <laughs> I followed along. I just wasn't able to keep up with the notes. It's okay. So, it's okay. Yeah. All right, my last one was, yeah, it was kind of revealed by you, where you, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, that you again made a reference to me eating bad food, specifically the cinnamon bears. Mm-hmm. And then another reference to me being one of the older guys in the group, even though we're, you know, just a couple months apart in age. Yeah. Every day counts, Carl. Apparently <laughs> so. <laughs> so straight up, is your impression that my diet is terrible, or, or what do you think is really going on here? I feel like you're very concerned about what I think of you, which I, I'm flattered, number one. I just want accurate information to be out there. <laughs> I only provide that. Okay. You know, I'm not in Colorado every day, so I don't know how many bagels and, and croissants you have, but <laughs> all I see is what you bring on the trail, you know? and That's uh, true. So I've seen the gummy bears. I do see... The gummy bears? I've never had... Or I mean the, the, the cinnamon bears, sorry. The um, cinnamon treats? That, that was funny. You, is that what he called them? He called them cinnamon <laughs> yeah. treats, yeah. Which is more appetizing, I think, than cinnamon bears, actually. Mm, cinnamon treats reminds me of like some cinnamon cookie pastry thing. Right. That is good. Uh, I'd have no yeah. problem with that. So I think, okay. you know, I mean, you're eating, but let's be honest, like my diet isn't the best either on the trail. When you're out there on the trail, right. you're you're obviously lowering your standards to a degree to, you know, save weight if you're going as extreme as we are. You know, if you're camping, okay. that's one thing. You can bring whatever, but your backpacking i will tell you that just so you know i'm actually pretty strict with my diet currently and i'm and it has been for a while actually where i'm just eating i'm making sure i'm eating readable ingredients and i'm i've been monitoring my caloric intake but i do have the one cheat day a week so i kind of go six on and then one where it's just a free for all free for just for just just flush it all down the toilet (laughs) go for it well kind of yeah so i but for the most part no i'm actually a pretty healthy eater I do, and I, I think I've brought cinnamon bears once on the trip, and that was 10 years ago, and you like to reference that. <laughs> I do. I do. I like to hold grudges and keep things forever. Yeah. And in fact, I would not recommend bringing cinnamon bears because those things can actually smell through the plastic, oh, and that, that'll attract the bears. Definitely attract the bears. And bears like yeah. to eat bears, so cinnamon or not, uh, right. watch out. Is it cannibalism if the I can say it's borderline. bear eats the cinnamon bear? I can say it's borderline. Because it's, you know, does he recognize okay. what it is? If he does, yeah. I'm going to say yes. If he doesn't, have at it. It's just like, can vegans eat chocolate bunnies? Mm. That's 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 deep, man. I don't know if you're, I'm not, I'm not Food ready. Food for not thought, ready for literally. All right, it's time for trivia, my friend. And Let's do it. Due to the long nature of this episode, we, I think we're going to cut this one to three questions. Very well. And I know I did trivia last week, but I want to do trivia again because... I just wanted to do Australia trivia, and I felt like I had a better advantage by answering this. So I thought I could throw it your way. You could take the next two trivias. How do you feel about that? That's fine. We'll do that. Okay, so we referenced the snakes in the interview. He had a really fun snake story, actually. Can you name two of the most venomous snakes in Australia? In Australia? That's like like two of the top I want to say one of the mambas, green mamba or black mamba. I would say the other snake I'd want to say is, well, he was saying something about, oh, he was in Brazil for that. Let's go with like a python. Python? Python? Yeah, I think you're on the the wrong side of the world, but it's a good try. No? There's no pythons over there? (laughs) Not that I know. I mean, they're not in the top 10. The most common one is the brown snake. There's like an eastern and a western brown snake. Those are the most venomous. And Mm. then you've got the tiger snake. You've got the taipan snake. And one of the things I actually saw while I was over there, that was number 10, was the red-bellied black snake. 
But f- I've heard of that. I've heard okay. of that. But the people that I was around were like, don't worry about that one. That that one likes to eat other snakes. We like those. So I was like, all right. But I yeah. actually saw that one in action. So, okay. So good try, but incorrect. Okay. Next one. <laughs> I'll make this one a little easier for you. I'm going to make this a okay. multiple choice. What is the highest mountain in Australia? One of the I seven know. summits. All right. So I'm going to list, I'm going to give you three. So I got Kosciuszko. I've got Vincent Massif, and I've got Elbrus. I want to say Kosciuszko. Do you want to say it, or are you going to lock that in? I guess I'll say Kosciuszko. Kosciuszko is correct. That is 7,310 feet, the lowest of the seven summits, and actually only 1,000 feet higher than where where I live. So kind of interesting. Vincent Massif is uh, south, or I'm sorry, Vincent Massif is Antarctica, and Elbrus was in Europe. Those are the highest mountains there. And my final question, can you name any two states in Australia? Yeah, well, I was going to say Queensland is one. Okay, that's one. And I want to say there's like there's like the south, the north, the west. I'm going to say, oh, um, I know. Uh, what am I saying? Tasmania is one. Tasmania is one. Good job. Yeah. All right, you got that, that one right. But there's like New South Wales, I think, right? Uh, New South Wales is one, yeah. And then there's like Western Australia. And Western like, Australia, South Australia, Victoria. Yeah. Victoria. I forgot about I Victoria. Missed one. You knew that one. All right. Two out of three. I'll give it to you. Australia Thanks. trivia. Yeah. Thanks. I'll give it to you. You know, some of us haven't lived there, but we have visited there, Carl. So mm. I do my best. I do my best. <laughs> uh, Friend. Let's wrap this and put a bow on it, guys. It has been real. It has been fun. Thanks for joining us. Throw us a review on your podcast apps. Five stars, always helpful to boost the app. And we will see you next time on the B&B. And remember, guys, it is not backpacking unless Carl finds some little thing along the way to... No, let me do that again. <laughs> that didn't work out. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and remember guys, it is not backpacking unless Carl does a few lunge squats on the trail along the way. We'll see you next time. So guys, I know Carl just left all that in there, and that is awesome. And that's what I want. I want real, I want raw, I want uncut and unedited. But you know what I did? I know there there was a there was an altitude cheat sheet, but I found the attitude cheat sheet, and it really it was like a testimony for me to give to Carl. And one of them really jumped out at me. It said, you know, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you change it. Go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.